Everybody, make sure you're recording. And we're recording. hot. Awesome. Hello, everybody, and welcome. From... Hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome <laughs> to Review for Two. Uh, you Maybe may we no- just restart. No, we can just keep going. I don't have to edit this. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, just in case. Take it from the top. Let's do another one. Okay, yeah, let's everybody stop. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, hold on. Oh, no, keep this in there. <laughs> this one's a blue just, Yeah. All right, action. All right, action. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Review for Two. You might have noticed that I am not Marco Palumbo. Of course, you might not have noticed that because we sound the same, but I'm actually Paul Palumbo, and we have some special guests today. Please introduce yourselves, guests. I'm Will. I went to school with Paul, and uh, I am not Caroline or Marco. I'm Josh. I went to school with both Will and Paul, and I am neither a younger Palumbo or a younger Will brother person. I'm Danny. I went to school with Josh, Will, and Paul, but I didn't know Paul at the time. I guess we did go to the same school and we just didn't know each other, huh? Yeah. Anyways, so this is a special episode of Review for Two because we played Divinity Original Sin 2. And the thing about Divinity Original Sin 2 is that it is a massive 60-70 hour long RPG. And Marco and Caroline don't really have the time to play through something like that. But it's still like an amazing co-op game that perfectly fits with the sort of theme and mission of this podcast. So they invited us, who have played through it once and attempted to play through it a few more times, to go through and try our best at giving it a podcast review. So can't wait. Gonna be fun. Raw ears, take us away. Alright, so, Divinity Original Sin 2 is a role-playing game developed and published by Larian Studios. It was released for Microsoft Windows in September 2017, for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in August 2018, and Nintendo Switch in September 2019. And it is a turn-based RPG, but it's got sort of like a strategy flair to it because a lot of the battles have to do with positioning and like environmental effects and stuff. So it's a turn-based RPG, but it's got that sort of overhead strategy aspect to it. And it is a four-player co-op turn-based RPG. So that is both amazing and in some cases terrible. It's a delightful mess, really. There is description of the game. Does anybody have anything to add on it? Should also add that it's the definitive edition. It was that's the version we played. It released on PC. Then a year later, they reworked a bunch of the story, encounters, and abilities, and they released it on consoles. By reworked, they mostly nerfed all the stupidly overpowered stuff, but left a little bit of it in. It's definitive edition really is the way to play it. All of the just overly powered stuff. I mean, they brought some stuff up too, like the torturer skill does basically nothing in the original version, but in the new one, it can like burn through armor and stuff. True. Ah, oh, the good the good old times. Apparently, the the original version, the third act where we uh, that's where the Josh's quest really gets fleshed out. That was drastically changed. Apparently, a lot of story beats really didn't happen in the original version, so they really beefed up some of the story well, that's elements. Good. That's good to know because I remember thought arcs was 
was very um i like darks a lot it was like a lot longer it was the first time you're in like a city yeah so you know it's a rpg and obviously it's like a fantasy setting so it's a lot of like elves and dragons and magic and stuff probably the closest i've come to experiencing dungeons and dragons in the video game form that's yeah, a great way to put it, it yeah like, it, re- it really feels like a tabletop game playing on, on your tv which is kind of the this the incredible feature everything down to stat sheets and initiative it's all there is like in the background i literally feel like i'm playing against a computer dm it, it's amazing in fact if you play it on pc there are modes where you can create your own story and do your own dm and do things like that using the game mechanics we played on playstation so we didn't have access to that i would have loved to though that sounds so fun go through like fan-made campaigns because that would be those are some of the ridiculous ones oh yeah all right so let's get to the review All right, so the way we're going to do this is that we are going to describe our characters and then give our review of the game. So I played the Red Prince, who was a prince of lizards with scarlet scales. But because he uh, hung out with demons, he was cast off. And I played a fire wizard, who also did some summoning on the side. So I'm the guy who completely baked the landscape in fire. And then sent in, like, you know, a little water gremlin or, like, a giant skeleton who's also a spider, a giant spider skeleton. We named him Biscuits. It was great. And then I'd send him out to do my bidding as well. I really liked this game. Like Danny said, it's basically the closest that video games have gotten to D&D. I think what I liked most about it was the fact that it did have those strategy elements. So, like, spacing, environment, that was a huge part of it that really came into play. Because if I used a big fire spell, suddenly there's a big pit of fire in the middle of the arena. And I've got to be careful about that because if Danny's a melee class warrior, well, suddenly he's completely useless because I've baked his entire area in fire and he can't just run in there and be fire. Until I got that fireproof armor. Oh, that was later. Yeah, early on you definitely did a great job turning every and every single surface into a wall of flames. Yeah. It's almost a sandbox game if you think about it, which is crazy. The first thing I did in the game was accidentally set fire to a pool of oil and kill two of the four party members. So it happens. We were in the tutorial we were... <laughs> area. We had no weapons, no armor, and there was an asleep guard on a table. And Paul turned the entire floor into, you know, a raging inferno and killed all of us. I killed two of us. Okay. You killed me. I killed me too, okay? I didn't get out of that unscathed. Just for context, this game has permadeath unless you have resurrection scrolls or cheesy spells later on. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning, not having two of those resurrection uh, scrolls kind of screwed us a little bit. Yeah, a little. We, um, we struggled with that assassin who came after you in town. Yeah, the beginning of the game. I will. So, okay, so I love the game, the turn based four player strategy game. It's like nothing I've ever played. It's great. It does have a bit of a rough beginning because it doesn't really give you enough to play with. So like you set yourself up as a, you know, powerful wizard, but it only gives you like a basic fire spell. And so when you come across any enemy who's got any magic armor, it's like, okay, I'm completely useless. So it happened a lot, especially as we didn't know the mechanics, as we were underleveled and we didn't really know how the game worked, is we would just stumble into an area get immediately overpowered by a surprise encounter and killed and that would waste another resurrection spell so i will say the beginning of the game 
is rough and like the first four or five hours we eventually needed to scale back the difficulty just because we couldn't we weren't having fun because it was just too difficult but once we sort of got in the groove of the game and like we were you know bringing combos together i would use my fire and then you know somebody else would use a earth oil attack and it'd cause a big explosion and like we were in this perfect sync that's when the game really got good yeah but while you're learning the game quick save is your best friend it's oh, the yeah. poor yeah. man's resurrection scroll i think you just gotta really accept the fact the game is a very steep learning curve uh, once you're out off the ship it's very much every fight is almost a boss fight in terms of like the health like how you need to think about it for strategy especially if you're cranking the difficulty up i think uh we made the mistake of just doing the uh whatever you feel like builds and just like rolling with oh i want to be like this guy and then not realizing that like that's like a build two or three acts in that works and it doesn't work at you know level one i'm yeah. the prime example I, I i i really had an interesting start and class synergy is very important let's go with you josh who's your character and what did you think of the game so my I played as Beast. I played as a dwarf cleric necromancer thing. Thing is really the operative word there. And um, my backstory was I was a in line for the throne of dwarves until it was usurped by my evil sister Justinia. And then I became a pirate for, for reasons I don't exactly remember. But eventually, after plundering and raiding, I was captured. And I ended up with all these other chuckleheads on a boat. That's kind of the start of our journey. And I my quest is to prevent my uh, my sister, who's gone insane, from unleashing this basically nuclear weapon called Death Fog on everyone in a giant city. All right, Josh. Now, if you can, explain your play style. Oh, oh boy. Okay, so I've been waiting for this. So I chose a cleric, but clerics are boring. So instead of picking healing spells at the start, I picked all the necromancy spells because they sounded much cooler. And I wanted to be like a torturer cleric, like an inquisitor kind of character. And it turns out clerics need to have healing. So eventually I turned my build in this really strange hybrid build where I would curse things to make them undead. And then I would heal them. And when you're undead, you, and you heal them with healing spells. They take like massive damage. So my build was basically a giant gimmick based around one or two abilities. And later on, we would eventually abuse this fact with um, a very nasty combo where I would chain myself to an enemy so that when I took damage, they took damage. And then I would have one of my friends die. And then I would resurrect them. And when you resurrect someone using the spell resurrection in Divinity, you take damage equivalent to like the health they bring back times a modifier and it's piercing damage so it ignores your armor and defenses it's very strong so we ran across the, the issue because spells in this game can crit if i would i would resurrect someone that resurrection would he, would like restore them for 400 health and i would take like 500 true damage that 500 true damage gets reflected off of me under the target i have chained and as a result we were sacrificing each, sacrificing each other so i could one-shot people with this convoluted mess and well later on i'm sure we'll get to the part of the uh the campaign where i I really took full advantage of the insanity of this obtuse design. So Josh basically made some horrible combo where we were killing ourselves, but dealing massive damage to the enemy. And then somewhere around there, he was also a tank. I was, yeah, I was, a t I, I had healing spells. I had lots of armor and stuff because I needed to be close. And unfortunately, it didn't work because all my spells are water and you always evaporated my ice and turned it into steam. Like Will said, team synergy. <laughs> all right. So Josh, what's your review? My review Divinity, uh, probably really high, 9 or 10 out of 10. I've never really played another game like Divinity. I have played RPGs a lot in my life. I've 
finished most Final Fantasies. I Destiny isn't really a great RPG, but I've played probably every like consistent one that's come out like Under the Sun, and I've never played one quite like Divinity. It's it's really a sandbox plus an RPG. It's both tabletop and it takes advantage of all the stuff that comes with being in a digital medium. All right, Will, you want to go next? Yeah, I can talk about my character. So I played Losha. She is like a famous bard singer, but she has this problem where she hears this voice in her head that kind of tells her to do some things that are kind of questionable and sometimes forces her to do some some things. There was one point really early on where I forget whose quest line it was, but there was this little elf princess that they needed to save and talk to, the little voice in my head was like, you need to kill that girl. And so it forced me into a combat situation where I had to attack this little girl. Fortunately, I was able to run away and not kill her, but uh, it made me kind of wary about who I could talk to because her character kind of gets forced into some situations that aren't great. My playstyle, I played a, a ranger, so I had a bow, and so I was like the really high DPS in this game for us because I was able to uh, stack these abilities where I get higher crit percentage when I'm higher up than everybody else. So I would get to the highest point in the fight area. And then I also had another ability that let me jump in the air to increase my height. So I would be able to hit these really high physical or magic damage numbers because I could also enchant my arrows. So I was the probably the highest DPS on the team other than Josh's weird combo. But I was also super squishy. As a rogue, I had... Er, not a rogue, but a ranger. I had to make sure I was always in the back of the map. I had different teleport spells so I could just remove myself from situations because how the game goes, they kind of prior. It feels like it, they prioritize who's like the highest damage dealer or the computer does. So we would just have uh, these guys with big swords run past our frontline guys of like Danny and Josh and just run straight for me and try to kill me because I had the lowest health and the highest damage. Wasn't there a while where you had a talent that made it so your armor didn't like deflect statuses oh yes i remember that yeah there is one because uh it gives you more your full ap back every turn and so ap is like action points and you that's basically you get to spend those to move on your turn yeah and so i could make sure i was always hitting for a, a lot of attacks each turn and doing a lot of damage but it also had the drawback of my armor didn't protect status effects so i ended up just being like burned frozen poisoned decayed all the time and eventually had to just switch that ability off and pick a new one yeah i, I remember like that was amazing because you did like three thousand damage in a single turn and then every enemy came just descended upon you and you were like crippled burning poisoned undead and it's just like okay this this isn't working <laughs> you have one turn it was really good for turn one before we started like actually in, we were actually in the fight will bunts out like kills like two people and the rest of the fight he's like crawling around in the corner with like a thousand dots over his head for all the status effects it became a game where i moved around to try and strategically block their paths of movement by uh attack of opportunity so when they stepped close to me and tried to step out of my range i would hit them so they couldn't go for will all right will what's your review definitely a really fun game it's like josh said there's nothing really quite like it there's similar like turn-based games like xcom uh with similar permadeath things but you can't there's not really a multiplayer mode in xcom that i'm aware of like there is in divinity where you're able to 
each play as one character and have four people play as a squad. And so I really liked that aspect of it for the most part. Sometimes because of the turn-based, you're sitting around waiting for someone who will remain unnamed for them to set up their stupid long cleric combo. But uh, I heard the quotation marks you made with your hands. I didn't name a name. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely made those, yeah. Other than the occasional waiting around for someone to do their turn, it's pretty enjoyable. You only have to wait around if you're in combat with somebody. So when you're just going around the overworld and shopping, there's no... If we had turn-based shopping in this game, I don't think I would have played it for 70 hours. Oh my god. It kind of was, because only one person could talk to a shopkeeper at once. But there'd be like the one guy who knows fire spells, and I'd be like, I need to talk to him. And Josh would be like, no, I need to buy necromancy from him too. Danny's over there selling teeth. Hey, 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 hey. That, that's not the original character. That's the new character. Okay, Danny, who was your original character? So my original character was Fane, and I was an undead. Undead being, not a human, an ancient race. I don't want to say too much because it's kind of a spoiler for the main story, but basically, I'm a skeleton, and so if I'm not wearing armor, everybody in sight will start attacking me and everyone associated with me, so it was very important that I keep myself covered up the whole time. Yeah. But Fane actually had a very interesting story, and I think he was the character who was most intertwined with the actual main quest line have we, have we talked about what the actual story of this game is i mean we can so basically there's this magic called source and we all play sorcerers who can uh basically manipulate this magic and there's a basically an inquisition coming after us trying to round us all up and stop us from using this magic most of the game is you trying to figure out why and stop them from uh turning us all into mindless zombies but it, it gets a lot more complicated than that without getting into too many spoilers and there's a lot of like side quests too obviously so like not everything is source sometimes it's like hey you you know, we gotta clear out this cave of monsters or give this dragon a wand or something like that. Or sometimes there's a chicken you find that's possessed and you have to follow it and complete a three-step process. So basically my character class was a tank of sorts. Early on, I was not very tanky, but obviously it's because you got to build up armor, build up your abilities. But I spec'd a lot into necromancy, so I was a death knight of sorts, where every time I would deal damage to an enemy's actual health, I would regain a percentage of that based on my necromancy score. So it came to a point where I could hit someone for almost like 2,000 health and then heal 70% of that to myself. So it became a very uh, self-sufficient build later on. Yeah, which was good because we apparently didn't have a dedicated healer. Well, I can't heal him, unfortunately. He's undead. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. Undead, uh, healing magic actually hurts me and poison heals me, so that was uh, fun to deal with. Yeah, for our super hard mode run, we decided nobody was allowed to be undead because there were just, like, so many weird things about undead. Like, they can't be healed, but they love poison. They can't take their helmet off or everybody will attack them. That are just like, we don't want to deal with any of this. And then, for some reason, enemy clerics always know you're undead and will heal you to do damage. Yeah, like, despite the fact that my undeadness was hidden from the world around us like anytime we were in a fight with clerics they would decide hey fuck this guy in particular let's heal him yeah let's heal this guy just randomly just a whim it's just a vibe i've got guys yeah he looks like a nice guy but i really liked your build danny because it was very strange where like you just run straight into the thick of things you'd like get the crap beat out of you but then in your turn you'd kill everybody and you'd be back to full health yeah i had a big two-handed weapon i swung it really 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 hard and i uh, got my health back and you also had the um was it the armor that let you reflect damage back yeah that, that, that came in handy later 
All right, so Danny, your review. So this game is in my top 10 list of all time. There's nothing quite like it. And I played a good chunk of the first game, actually, and I enjoyed it. But the story didn't really grab me as much. And I really appreciated how they changed up the combat here, where you had two sets of armor. You have physical and magical resistance. A lot of the ways that you set status effects, like knocking people down or burning, they changed up. And I think a lot of the changes in the game were really done for the better. And I can't wait to see what they do next. And it was very fun to uh kind of create your own stories for characters too like eventually i just started taking a bunch of art and became an art dealer that's how i made a lot of money yeah speaking of what they're doing next it's baldur's gate which is one of the most famous rpgs of all time it's a big old property from wizards of the coast who do who do dungeons and dragons so the reception from this game was very good and got them to be able to work on a really big property it got a bunch of nominations and i'm pretty sure it was uh kickstarted right yeah both the first and second game were uh kickstarted didn't the director for larian say specifically he wanted to do a boulders gate game and they said no so then he created like two award-winning masterpiece rpgs and they're like hey you want to make a boulders gate game so there were actually two or three Definity games before original sin and they they were published, but I don't think any of them were particularly well received. Um, and so Original Sin was kickstarted, and obviously that started the path they're on now. Yeah, because th- those came out around the time when there were a lot of old, like, isometric RPGs back on PC in, like, early 2000s and the 90s. One thing I'd actually love to commend uh, this game on particular that I don't think we really touched on is um the is the voice acting and, and the sheer amount of dialogue in this game. It's nuts. Oh yeah. Every character is voice acted and they're all pretty solid and a few of them are phenomenal. Like um Will's character Lose has a particular moment later in the story where she can um she acquires a lute and she can sing just as like a quest reward. You get like a powered like like a rock ballad as a song. It's awesome. So I don't know. I think the I think in general the voice work and like the dialogue trees and like the choices in this game are all awesome. And there's a reward to being smart with your dialogue it's not like a fallout game where it's like my speech stat is really high so i'm gonna pick the high speech stat one there is nuance to picking the different paths for persuasion and if, if you talk your way around fights you can often earn more xp than you would going into them so there's an incentive to be smart and to pick your battles and to know when talking out is the right option but they're also like talking based quests like that one like skeleton who is asking us riddles yes and, like we just walk up there and he'd be like do you pick strength or skill and i'd be like oh skill and he's like okay that's an interesting answer and then a bolt of lightning would strike me and i'd die immediately and then i come over i get the first two right and then the third one i get wrong and he bolt of lightnings and kills me instantly and then danny comes up and asks and answers all his questions sarcastically and a bolt of lightning comes out and hits him the other guy yeah hits the other guy i had specific uh i had specific lines of dialogue since i was an undead yeah <laughs> you cheater have an opinion on life yeah you just sat there and we're nihilist and there's like okay i guess nothing matters and he fucking dies yeah it was very fun because a lot of the unique undead lines were basically just be a sarcastic asshole and have fun a lot of the red prince's lines because he was like a prince were the same way, but they were never... Everyone was always like, yeah, okay, asshole. I'd be like, whoa, well, a prince doesn't need to swipe these floors. And someone would be like, yeah, well, right now you're a big lizard. So get cracking, buddy. Well, it certainly didn't help that everybody, every character in the game is pretty horribly racist towards anybody that's not a human. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, the first area I go into and it's like, oh, lizards, don't look at the lizards. I hear that they eat people, which is not true because the elves eat people. Ugh. Which is a pretty pretty common fantasy trope i mean you look even with like the new witcher series on netflix everybody hates the elves and the elves hate all the people i think it's also true in the books right yeah it, it, it's a i mean that's a fantasy trope and that's also just like a real world thing racism is a fantasy trope yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Speaking of dialogue, we should go around and do like everyone's favorite dialogue interaction because there there are some phenomenal ones in this game. I know I can just pick a few off the top of my head. Yeah, I'll add it to the list. Let's get on to the questions. We can start with favorite dialogue. So, Josh, this was your idea. What's your favorite dialogue? I think my favorite dialogue in the game was we were interviewing, or rather, I was not interviewing. I think Paul was interviewing a survivor of an attack. I think they were either monsters or cannibals had attacked this troop of people. And Paul was in the middle of saying, we're not monsters. And I was in the background devouring a corpse at the exact moment. He's like, we're not monsters. And it is in the back. There's this big zap as I devoured a mound of flesh for its source points. And I think I lost it for like at least five minutes that was that was one of the funniest things that's ever happened because like he's like Ugh, thank god not everyone around here is like a corpse eating monster and it just like the way my camera was josh was directly in the back and he's just like devouring corpses and my character's just like yeah thank god <laughs> so uh i think my favorite dialogue probably is the guy we mentioned earlier with the quiz show because it was just like it was so absurd and funny and stupid where we're just like we'd run up and we'd be like uh uh, uh i think the best thing is uh, uh uh peanut butter and he's just like yeah man peanut butter sucks and then we die so my my favorite point of dialogue was something less funny but there's a character in the game i believe his name was gareth and he's the leader of uh, a group of people who are sympathizers to the sorcerers and at a certain point of the game he's having a pretty rough time and i my character specifically i don't think anybody else was there for this conversation i basically had to talk him off this ledge of him being like super angry like wanting to get revenge for everything he was turning from like this hero into like this really like nasty kind of guy it was really interesting to try and like talk him off this ledge which i eventually succeeded in and got like a special uh voice lines available going forward like it was hero or something going forward but that was a really good example of like dialogue choices having tangible impact on the game did that happen yep I think you guys were all off doing a fight. I ran into Gareth in the woods, and uh, it was that was a heavy conversation. Wow. I don't really have, like, one specific one, but because I played as Losha, and she's, like, a famous musician in the world, I had a lot of options that were basically like, do you know who I am? And so that was kind of fun to roll with that. Kind of be, like, an influencer. Ye olde Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, what is your favorite spell or skill? Josh, I think we know yours. Yeah, it's really obvious. My favorite is uh, Last Rites, or the Resurrection spell, because it's you think of it just as like this normal, oh, res your friends, but in the reality, with a little bit of inventiveness and the willing to use your friends as bullets for this gun, you can do crazy damage and some gross stuff. I, I use that I know to do over 11,000 damage and kill myself, because uh, when you crit with a spell and you're shackled to someone, it reflects the crit damage back and forth a few times, and the end result is it like breaks the game in terms of how much it does, and I would evaporate instantly. And I, so I'd be, I'd be praying for like, no crit, no crit, no crit, which is really interesting in an RPG, but... Well, you picked the ability that lets you crit spells. It's useful for all the other spells. It's the what? It's <laughs> you, the one. Did you use other spells? Yes. I don't know Sometimes. about that. I, it, it would be <laughs> it, seriously. It'd be like we'd start a fight, and it'd be like, okay, uh, I'm gonna get the little guys, and Danny'd be like, okay, I'm gonna get some more of the little guys, and Josh would be like, Will go die. I've got a plan. Well, he didn't even need me to go die because it normally just got attacked and died because I was so squishy. 
I'll, I'll segue into my favorite ability. So, um, as you level up your ranger class, you get access to this one attack where you, like, you rapid-fire this wave of arrows in, like, a cone. And so, you would think, oh, that's great for, like, clearing or hitting big groups of enemies. But I think I only ever tried to use it as, like, single target damage. And I would just get, like, right up next to them and just so that they would take up as much of the cone as possible and just hit them for, like, super massive amounts of damage with, like, 10 to 15 arrows at once. Just being able to burn enemies down really quickly that way. I think that was my favorite ability. Danny, what you got? So, I've got two. One of them is kind of a joke because, well, undead have an ability where they can just literally play dead and it basically makes all the enemies think that well you're dead so i didn't really use it much because i I was supposed to you know draw attention and like kill the shit out of things but it's just it was a cool thing to have my actual favorite ability it was basically an all-in attack where i burned all my action points all my source points which are basically magic points that don't regen unless you collect more source but basically i did seven all-out attacks on a single target and it was just massively powerful and so satisfying to hit all right those are all very good spells but you're all wrong because there's only one correct answer is it chicken claw it's fucking chicken claw (laughs) so as as a long range spellcaster there were very few opportunities for me to use chicken claw but one of my spells if i was within arm's reach of an enemy that had no physical armor I could turn him into a chicken. And it sounds stupid, but it was also very effective because once they're a chicken, all they can do is run away. I couldn't really set this up by myself with all of my magic and being far away. But my favorite thing to do would be to, like, use my magic to sprout wings, fly over to the person who's next to, like, Danny, and just, like, give him a poke, and now he's a chicken. And, like, it just chicken around, and we'd flambe him, because he suddenly can do nothing. And it was just, it was so much fun. So, I feel it's important to note that all of these abilities we're mentioning, uh, it's also possible to fight people with these abilities. So there were many times where we ourselves were also turned into chickens. Yeah, that was less fun. There is no ability in the game except for some of the source abilities that are actually unique to the player characters. Any, any character in the game can have them and use them the other fun thing about the skills is that like they're based on like the power they do is based on your stats but if you have like a bare minimum of your stats you can get any abilities so like you can sort of make a build where you're like I'm going to use a bow, but I'm also going to have, like, fire and lightning magic. Or, like, you know, I'm going to be big with a great sword, but I've also got earth magic. And, like, because of that, you can really make your character unique of having, like, a specific set of skills and types that, like, you know, if it works for you. And you're not necessarily going for damage with those spells. Sometimes you just want those spells to deal out status effects. Like, maybe you want some ice magic to freeze somebody, or a little bit of fire magic to set people on fire. You're not necessarily worried about the singular point of damage. You're worried about damage over time cc in general in divinity is an is an obscenely strong anytime you can get knockdowns or like prevent enemies from like taking a turn it counts for so much more than like that extra like 10 to 20 percent damage you would do by not like stunning them. especially early on we realized that how useful it was to like knock someone down while they're in a fire or how bad it was to get like frozen in place and not be able to get away from the guys coming at you yeah that's why i had chicken claw even though i could barely ever use it because like whenever i could it's like this guy is just out of the fight now yeah that's why i had teleportation gloves for most of the game i could um if someone got near me i could teleport them as far away from me as possible right into danny <laughs> usually right into danny i prefer the living cyclone of giant sword all right so what is your favorite fight in the game there are a few that i love but they're um this is a small spoiler but at a certain point in the game you will have to fight your companions 
in a free-for-all. The winner is declared, you know, supreme over his friends. Not, not supreme over your friends. You become the divine being fine, of... Fine. Spoilers! I don't, I don't spoilers! I didn't want to spoil it, but pretty, yes, Danny's right. You find out pretty early that fight's coming. You become God if you beat your friends. Which is really important that you beat your friends because beating God is really cool. Anyways, Paul made fun of my build the entire game. He's like, he's like, oh, that cleric thing is just nonsense. It doesn't really work. And I was really upset. He made fun of it a bunch. So I made it my mission in the uh, free-for-all to kill Paul. So we were all starting these ledges and we're all kind of like moving around and fighting each other. And Paul summoned this giant fire demon and he's raging around. And Will shot arrows at Danny, which is a bad idea because Danny had this armor that reflects projectiles back at him. So Will killed himself by shooting Danny's armor. And then I saw my opportunity. I had a dead compatriot and an alive Paul without physical armor. And so I shackled Paul to myself, and then I pointed my res token at Will, and I said, I will be the one who decides. And then I chanted no crit for about a minute straight before hitting the trigger. And of course I crit because the game doesn't really like me doing this combo. And I killed Paul with over 12,000 points of true damage and obliterated myself in the process. And resurrect me. And I resurrected Will. To once again die to Danny. Yeah, because Danny I can only do again. range damage and it always gets reflected back at me. So it's important to note, it I reflect damage back, but I also take a good chunk of that damage. So Will did come close to winning that fight. But I was way, way squishier. Yeah. So what was being reflected back was a larger portion of my own health pool than it was of Danny's pool. Also, I had big sword. Best fight got the kill myself and paul and decide the winner yeah hilarious as broken as the ability sounds it's important to note that josh couldn't shackle anybody unless their physical armor was depleted which was true of any stats yes i had to actually win the fight in order to really win the fight so my favorite would be i think right before that fight because we started it the first it was first of all it was like you know near the end so it was this big really cool like set piece but we thought that was the final fight so we're like pulling out all the stops and i just really like how the fight sort of proceeded where it like eventually at the end of the fight i was at like a quarter of my health and the three of them were dead and there's this giant kraken on one side of me and like this giant undead witch on the other side and there's god on the third side and i'm just like i don't know if i can actually like win this so prepare the quick save and then like i you know i killed the one of those three that i needed to like end the fight and go through with the cutscene. And it was just like so stupid close that we made it. Also, I totally for so very early on, they tell you like one of you is going to become the divine and you, you know, you're going to have to like fight for it. I totally forgot about that fight just from like how large the scale of that, what we thought what the final battle was. Yeah. Danny, you got a favorite fight. So my favorite fight, actually, it came at a point where all of us, we weren't, there were enemies, but we also weren't really fighting on each other's side because it was kind of a race to get to a certain point. Oh. And later on, I got some metamorph abilities because I put some points into there. And so I had the ability to give myself wings so I could like, you know, pass over large areas of large areas of uh, the map I wouldn't normally be able to get to. But also as Fane, I had an ability that uh, I could give myself an extra turn for some source points. So the combination of that with the flying, I flew so far away from everybody else that I exited combat and gave myself another turn because the game said, you can't be outside of combat, you have to be in combat. So put me in combat and I got to move again after moving twice. And I won that race, but you know, that didn't turn out so hot in the end, actually. Yeah, I remember like, we're like all stuck and you just like leave the uh, ticker at the top and I'm just like, what the hell? And then I leave the ticker and then I come right back in because the game says, no, you can't do that. 
Because we weren't in, like, an open area. Like, this is an arena we're meant to be just, like, fighting in. And I said, mm, no. He had three turns that it was flying across the map. The race was over the first turn. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is super ironic considering I was, like, a tanky heavy hitter. Well, favorite combat is uh probably our parties got separated a little bit. So it was uh, me and Danny got separated from Josh and Paul. Danny and I were on this. Oh, no. This rotting island with all these demons and really powerful creatures that were. There was a tidbit of unintentional sequence breaking. We're like trying to stay alive against these like things that are throwing fireballs at us, these demons. And then um, Josh and Paul were doing some quest where they were um, talking was that where you ch- chickens chicken? or was it like, the cows? Chickens. That was the chicken quest. Yeah. So it was just a real big juxtaposition between uh, Danny and I fighting for our lives against demons and then them just playing around with some chickens. I think it's also where I made a deal with a demon to do something I regretted later. I think that was probably my favorite moment of gameplay was like you two, you know, use your weird teleportation sequence breaking to get into like blood moon island covered in like corpses and blood and horrifying fungus and like enemies that are too strong. And like we hear on the microphone that you guys are just like having a rough time. And every so often we'll be like a we'll, the ticker will be like, oh, Will took like a hundred damage and he's poisoned and dying now. And it just sounds so bad. And me and Josh discovered a quest where we needed to help a chicken find its dad. <laughs> and it was so funny. It was so funny. You guys are just like, oh my god, there's a there's a huge, like, horrifying four-armed monster. And then you shift over to me and Josh, and I'm talking to a chicken. I'm like, where's your daddy? And he's like, daddy, you're my daddy. And I'm like, well, it's a good boy. And then you cut back over, and Will and Danny are on fire and poisoned and, like, being suffocated by corpse. And then I'm just like, where's your daddy? <laughs> It was just so funny. Didn't that chick turn out to be a demon? Yes. Oh yeah, no, that that chicken eventually tried to also kill us after it like ate its dad like alive. So we definitely did fight a horde well. of chickens at one point where it, if we didn't kill a chicken it multiplied the next turn. So oh, Paul God. and I had to murder what I'm pretty sure is a hundred chickens that spawned out of thin air. Literally, you guys are like fighting demons on Blood Moon Island and me and Josh are just like, There's another chicken, get it! <laughs> <laughs> oh god i think my favorite moment of the game which I, I feel bad this might be stealing from one from someone else but uh there's a particular part during loge's quest actually oh oh yeah you're totally stealing it because you know that was my character <laughs> no, no, fine, all right, all right, never mind i i will go with um actually no one of my favorite moments is um post combat after finishing my quest line after confronting the queen we had opened some barrels of death fog that were crawling through this um this underground like labyrinth we're in and i was engaged in conversation and i couldn't click to the options fast enough as the death fog is coming towards us so i'm like like rapidly flying through the dialogue wheel and she and it killed both of us because i couldn't leave the conversation as it got enveloped in insta kill fog for context, Death Fog is this like super weapon in the game, which is it's exactly what it sounds like. It's this fog that will instantly kill anyone who isn't already dead or undead. Thankfully, I was undead, so I could walk through it unharmed. <laughs> you did dead, didn't care at all. It's water. But all of us, uh, all the other ones, very much alive, very much be killed by Death Fog. I loved after Josh got killed by Death Fog is he was in like a big wide open room that was covered in it and we didn't have any resurrection scrolls and I was the only person who like knew the resurrection spell because the other person was Josh. So we had to like finagle the game such that I could get in there and revive Josh without dying. Because if I died, then it's just, it's over. We like, we'd need to do some serious weird stuff to get 
you know, us alive. So I'm like, how do I get in this death fog and get Josh out of this death fog by not dying to death fog? There's like one ability that lets you, uh, you couldn't go below one health point for like a few seconds, right? I think what, what we ended up doing was I used that ability and then you teleported me in there and then I resurrected Josh like farther away and then used my teleportation pyramid to teleport back to you. But a lot of inputs very quickly. Yeah, no, that was a close one. Operation Rescue Josh. It's not my fault you wanted to have a conversation as a giant fog of doom is coming towards us. Basically, the moral of the story is the most dangerous things in this game is actually talking to somebody. Yeah, conversation's terrifying. <laughs> Dialogue. <laughs> All right, Will, what's uh, yours? My favorite moment is, it's a little spoilery, so I'll try to avoid spoilers, but um, at the end of Losha's uh, quest, you kind of meet the voice inside of your head and you find out that he's been doing this to other people and he kind of gets his strength from that. So to weaken him, you have to do some, you get a really tough question thrown at you on if you weaken him or if you want to fight him full strength and it, it really is a very uh morally tough choice and i thought that was a really really cool portion i think we spent way too much time thinking about it and arguing which was the correct way to do it but uh yeah you have to make this really tough choice on whether you want to fight this guy full on strength or make a kind of a morally gray decision to weaken him I remember, like, I was definitely, like, we can take him at full strength, like, we got this, we can do it, but, like, this game can totally kick your ass if you're not ready for fights, so I could have been wrong. Although, we did fight him weakened, and he was very difficult. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it speaks to the quality of the writing of the game, too, because I feel like there's a lot of games and RPGs that tout, like, hey, your decisions have real impact on things in the world, and these are really, like, tough decisions, and I feel like a lot of the time, it doesn't really live up to it, We're, but constantly in this game there were points where they confronted us with decisions we had to make that were actually difficult and didn't seem like there was one right answer the thing i liked about divinity especially with this decision making is that um, the wrong decision like often like the morally incorrect decision it feels like a necessity if you want to survive because the game's challenge is such that like stealing from the shopkeeper who has nothing because you need the dagger or the spell to make it through the next fight like that's an awesome moral quandary that most games don't put you in usually it's like the big setup and the, the there's like two choices and they're both okay divinity is constantly like are you willing to bend the rules and be a little bit of a jerk and you know potentially screw someone over so that you can make it so one of the things i really liked sort of in that vein was the way that you get more source is you basically eat people's souls so like the source is where you get like the really powerful spells but like when you eat people's souls you're like denying them of the afterlife you're denying them of like any sort of existence and so for most of that game i didn't use a lot of source points because i never ate people's souls like i just i felt bad about it because like you know you do it and they're like screw no i want to go to valhalla and i didn't want to like be a soul eater and like there were certain places where you could like refill in source fountains so like i used very little of the source abilities and then I was at a huge disadvantage half the time because, like, my most powerful spells are like, well, I've only got three for this entire campaign until we find another source fountain. And then meanwhile, Josh is like, I'm going to eat this person's soul and now I'm going to raise 30 undead. And, oh, this person's got a soul too. Now I'm going to raise, like, a bunch of poison totems. And, like, that sort of... It wasn't even, like, a choice they presented, but it was still a choice that the game told you to make. Yeah, another small choice that you had to make pretty frequently was there'd be quests where you have to give somebody something, like a ring or an amulet, and these would have actually sometimes very good stats on them, and they were usable items, so you could wear them and get the benefits of them, but you wouldn't be able to finish the quest if you kept them. 
Danny, you uh, got a favorite moment in mind? So, my favorite moment is also kind of part of the culmination of Fane's story, like Will with Losha, but I, I don't want to say too much because it also gets into the spoilers for the main quest. Like, Fane's story is very intertwined with the actual main story of the game, and there's a point, like, very, through most of the game, I would say the first two-thirds or so, it's very mysterious as to, like, who Fane was or what was actually going on, and the payoff of certain characters' identities and who Fane actually was, I thought, was incredible considering that I feel like there was a lot of build-up and could have very easily collapsed under its own weight, but it definitely, like, hit me, like, the moment that they revealed what was going on and I had to make a decision that, like, impacted everything. I feel kind of bad for picking the chicken fight now. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the really cheesy, like, silly moments for me happened during combat. A lot of, like, a lot of the quests in the writing for me had a lot of high quality like emotional moments where there were still some like funny lines of dialogue but the those heavier moments stuck with me a lot more yeah like everybody had good writing in that game which was surprising like even the side quests were like at least interesting sometimes you can think figure out what was the side quest and what was the main quest right So we're approaching like 40, 50 minutes on oh, this geez. thing. So yeah. A minute for every hour you, of the game. <laughs> yeah, we have to wait <laughs> another 20 minutes. But uh, if anybody else has any final comments, any other moments that they feel like they need to mention or spells that they didn't get a chance to talk about. So I, w- I want to say that I played the first game and I played it solo. Uh, and you can play that with one other person, but I, I cannot recommend playing this game enough if you get a group of people who will stick through the campaign and do it all together, because that was uh, the, one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Same. It's it's so, like, the, the game itself is amazing, but, like, the fun of having friends there and the unpredictability of what they'll do just makes it, like, so much more fun and so much more interesting. Because, like, if you can control all four guys, you have, like, control of the battlefield, but... It's also super interesting if, like, you know, oh, we got into a fight and Josh is like, yeah, well, now I can make blood rain from the sky. And I'm like, okay, well, now I, now I need to change my strategy because I didn't, I wasn't planning for that, Josh. And we're all yelling at Josh for using blood rain. Blood yeah. rain is the best skill. It gave me a bonus to all my other skills. Or a certain, uh, a, a certain bone spider. Oh, yeah, biscuits. I remember, like, the, the first time, like, I didn't tell anybody I could summon a giant spider made of bones. So I summed it. And Everyone's just like, what the fuck is that? And Paulus goes, biscuits, you're here. <laughs> like, I, w- I want to reiterate, this spider was massive. Like, it was the size of, like, five people. It was terrifying. To not to see this thing crawl out of the ground and think for a second, oh, oh yeah. fuck, do I have to kill this thing? And then watch it eat a corpse and burrow back into the ground. <laughs> it's also not, like, a spider skeleton. It is a spider made out of human skeletons. Yeah, it's... It's creepy as hell. It is disturbing to say the least. Well, that's because spiders don't have bones. They have an exoskeleton. I think the one thing I would say um, for Divinity is look up, before you play, look up one or two like guides on how like skills work, but don't look up anything beyond that. So much of this game is amazing going in blind. I, I think one of the moments that I didn't talk about that really I loved was um we wandered into a graveyard off the coast of something, and we encountered a necromancer dog who almost killed our entire party. And it was... It's hilarious and amazing because 
if you would have known that coming, like he's pretty much a boss fight. But the fact of showing me like, what's this dog barking at? And then all of a sudden it's summoning some giant, like undead incarnate, like moments like that are what make divinity so cool. It is really, it's really unique in its approach to all that kind of stuff, especially the surprises. So look us, look up a few things in the beginning. And, and we've definitely spoiled a few here, but any playthrough you would do will be probably so different from what we experienced. And there's so many other moments that we haven't talked about. So don't feel like we've spoiled a whole lot. We played that game for a ton of hours and like, I, you know, I'll look up on the Wikipedia and I'll be like, we never did that quest. Or like, we just totally missed that. I mean, our, our playthrough lasted almost an entire year, basically, like playing like weekly when we could. Right. And we, and we missed stuff. Like this game is so big and packed with like fun secrets. In terms of value, this thing is basically through the roof. I can't really think of another RPG that has this much stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a great game. This much quality stuff, not just like filler. Right. You can you can have like you can re you can redo the Skyrim Till Ten Bears quest as many times as you want, but like, you know, I don't think there's a single quest in Divinity that is just like, hey, go kill ten things. It's like, oh, you go kill this thing and it turns out that like it's actually a person and now you're a murderer. Th there's certainly a few that start that way and then you'll discover like other dialogue options you're like wait what's actually going on here find a dude turns out he's a zombie look up ways to like like heal him from being a zombie turns out you can't and as a zombie he summons a bunch of demons and a giant undead lobster like that's the average divinity quest and there'll be other things where like there's a sick person and you can use a healing spell on it and sometimes they're really thankful and give you things and other times they're like i was i wanted to be sick and then they attack you yeah that's the that's the other thing i feel like we didn't even like get into that much is like there are so many different ways to solve problems like you know if you see an injured person you can just cast one of your regular spells on him they'll be like oh sweet i'm fine whereas like you know a lot of other games like if you start casting spells at people they're like they don't even react well and when we started our second playthrough escaping that first fort we instead of you know going through like every piece of it and killing every inquisitor there kind of just got out of there without much trouble at all i was like oh we skipped over so much stuff we had to go through the first time like so much like trouble and pain yeah oh yeah pain especially well I think this was a podcast well accomplished, everybody. Yeah, it might be the longest episode. Good job, us. If you uh, if you like this group of podcasters, be sure to check in to our newest podcast, Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 3, where we'll be exclusively talking about the animated show Star Wars The Clone Wars, but only the sixth episode of the third season. So, uh... Check out our podcast. Hopefully never coming soon to a podcast service. I don't even you. remember which episode it's that is. Episode six, season three of the podcast, right? All right, we're done here. All right. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. And we'll add a little bit in here for the transition Marco likes to add. Spacing. Spacing. Do 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 do